I'd like to ask you a question. How is a Christian supposed to find happiness and fulfillment and encouragement and all good things? How is a Christian supposed to find that in an imperfect church? Now you think about the church. Sometimes the, the preaching is too long. And sometimes they sing songs that I don't know. And, and uh, the men who wait at the Lord's table, they kind of mumble, and I don't always understand everything they say. And the Bible class is often boring. Uh, the air conditioning is too hot. The heating is too cold. The carpet has stains on it. The pews are dirty. Uh, how are you supposed to be happy in a situation like that? How, how is a person supposed to come and worship with all these imperfections at place? You know, and, and, and what's more is, how am I supposed to be able to invite my friends and neighbors to come and join with me in, in an imperfect situation like that? People get dissatisfied. And unfortunately, sometimes when they get dissatisfied, they begin to complain and gripe and gossip. How are you supposed to be happy in a situation like this anyway? We want to ask the question tonight, is it possible to be happy in a less than perfect church? Because uh, a lot of people are troubled with that. A lot of people have issues with that. We want to see what answers that we can come up with. Uh, can we be happy in a less than perfect church? Thanks for being here tonight, by the way. The weather is certainly not perfect, but we're glad that you have chosen to come and be with us. Uh, to join in this period of worship and Bible study, to give honor and glory to our Father who is in heaven. Thank you for making the special effort to be here tonight. We appreciate you very much. What about an imperfect church? Can you be happy in a less than perfect church? I want to start out by giving the answer to that question. The answer to that question is yes. <laughs> you have to be, because if you can't be happy in a less than perfect church, you're never going to be happy, because there aren't any perfect churches out there. Uh, the reason why there aren't any perfect churches is because the church is made up of imperfect people. Every person in every congregation is less than perfect. And so when you put, us, when you put all of us imperfect people together, you get an imperfect church. And everyone is. There's not a perfect church out there. In the reading that Jacob did for us just a few moments ago in Philippians chapter 3, Paul's describing himself. Now, I want to ask you if you could think of a stronger Christian uh, whose, whose record is recorded in the Bible. Could you possibly think of one stronger than the Apostle Paul? What an example. What a tower of strength spiritually. And yet he acknowledged he wasn't perfect. He said, not as though I had already, this is Philippians 3 beginning verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice, he said, uh, I haven't already attained. I'm not already perfect. Paul's saying that about himself. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul said, I'm not there yet. I'm not a perfect Christian. And I would argue... Uh, that that's the way we all are, and that's the way we ought to view ourselves. We haven't attained to perfection, and we're never going to in this lifetime. We're striving for it. It's our goal, but we're not there yet. Paul acknowledged he wasn't there yet. 
When Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica, he was writing to what apparently was a quite good congregation of God's people. Now, there were some congregations in the first century, and we have their record in the uh, inspired book. There were some congregations that were not so good, but Thessalonica was apparently a pretty good church. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning verse 9, he says, As touching brotherly love, ye deem not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. I want you especially notice that last part of the instruction. Here's a good church. They're doing pretty good, but they are not perfect. Even a church that's doing pretty well in, in an important area, identified as brotherly love, Paul says, keep working to get better and better. So it's never going to be so that a, a person or a congregation of people can say, well, I'm there now. I've, I've, I've reached perfection. I don't have to try anymore. We've never done enough. Uh, we can never afford to be complacent. And so the, the answer to our question for tonight is, can you be happy in a less than perfect church? Is yes, you have to be because there aren't any perfect churches out there. And so, yes, if not, you're, you're never going to make it, right? You've got to be happy in a less than perfect church. Now, having said that, I believe we have to point out that there are some what we'll identify as intolerable imperfections. There are some things that could be wrong with a local congregation of people which we could not tolerate. We just simply couldn't put up with it. No way that we could allow it to be so. I have in mind here things like doctrinal error. You know, if a local church is involved in teaching and practicing error doctrinally, then that cannot be tolerated. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, Beginning verse 12, the Lord, you know, he was addressing the seven churches of Asia there in the first chapters of Revelation. And to the church at Pergamos, he said, uh, to the angel of the church at Pergamos write, I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now, without in going into detail about what those doctrines were, and there's been some speculation on both, we're just using this to point out. Here, here was a church where there were false doctrines being taught and practiced. And the Lord says, I hold that against you. I, I, I cannot be pleased with you. He threatened to remove their candlestick. If they didn't repent of these things, they could not continue in doctrinal error. So since we see that that's how the Lord views that, then if we are in a congregation where doctrinal error is being taught and practiced, we can't tolerate that. That's got to be corrected or we cannot continue in fellowship with that kind of a situation. Unfortunately, I think we're seeing more and more. Even among God's people, I think we're seeing more and more churches where doctrinal error is being taught. And we've got to be on the lookout for that. And we've got to be very careful that we don't allow that sort of thing to take place here. Another thing that would be intolerable in regards to a local church, we're thinking about your participation, my participation in a local congregation. Churches are not perfect, but some things just simply can't be tolerated. Doctrinal error can't be tolerated. Neither can moral impurity. And while I think we're seeing a lot of doctrinal error, I think we're seeing perhaps even more moral impurity. And, and the Christians engaging in things that they ought not. And even leadership of local congregations accepting and allowing members who involve themselves in immoral practices. And that simply cannot be. 
Again, in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, beginning verse 18, the Lord addresses the church at Thyatira. And unto the angel of the church at Thyatira write, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Without going into detail as to who this Jezebel was, we don't think that's obviously, it's clearly not literally the Jezebel of the Old Testament, but a woman who was leading people astray and leading them into moral uh, sin, uh, the Lord said, that's a problem. It cannot be accepted. It cannot be tolerated. And so, in both of those things, we would say, no, we can't allow that. Now, that's, that's an imperfection that cannot be tolerated. And so, if you find yourself in a congregation where those things are take, taking place, doctrinal error or moral impurity, if that's the case, and it can't be corrected, and you can't help bring that to a resolution, then you wouldn't be able to continue in fellowship there. Now, so that's, that's just sort of a caveat to the main point we're wanting to make. Churches are imperfect. All churches are imperfect. There are some imperfections that just we can't allow and we couldn't tolerate. Now, but with that in place, our main thing that I just want to encourage you to consider for a few moments is what do we do and, and how do we deal with what we would identify as non-sinful imperfections? Now, these imperfections are sinful. To teach, practice doctrinal error, to, to, to be involved in moral impurity, those things are sinful. But there are some imperfections of churches that are not sinful. They may not be what we like, but it's not a sin. For instance, some sermons are going to be dull and uninteresting. You know, the preacher's not always going to hit the mark. Uh, I think I could speak for you fellows who try to give lessons from time to time and for all preachers everywhere. I mean, when we stand in the pulpit, what we want to do is have a good, interesting sermon. But i got to tell you, that doesn't always happen, right? You know that, I know that. We all understand that preachers don't always preach a great, inspiring sermon. So the, pre the preaching will sometimes be dull or uninteresting. Uh, and, and as we said earlier, maybe some of the songs that are chosen are songs that I don't like. Maybe even songs that I don't know that well. Um, and it may be some things about the physical building. You know? uh, I don't know who has control of the thermostat, but he never gets it right, whoever he is. You know, it, It's always too hot in the summer and too cold in the winter, and, and we just cannot be pleased with the thermostat setting. Uh, and, and this carpeting, you know, if you look around, there's quite a few stains on the carpeting. But even more than that, you know, sometimes some of the members disappoint me, you know. Uh, uh, maybe I feel slighted from time to time. Maybe someone sort of hurts my feelings with something they say or do. And then, of course, there's always the possibility that some judgment will be made that goes contrary to my opinion in the matter. Now, we're, again, we're not talking about doctrinal things, but in areas where we have the privilege to make judgments, sometimes my opinion doesn't get followed, you know. Uh, I, I, have, I have a strong opinion about what color the walls should be painted, for instance, and they chose to paint them a different color. Uh, or, or, you know, or maybe they changed the time of the services. And, man, I did not want to see the service times change, but they chose to change the times of the services. Or something like that. Judgment area. And, and so, uh, I think my opinion was better than what they did. And I'm pretty, I'm just pretty ill about that, that they didn't follow my opinion. 
What are we going to do? What are we going to do when those kind of things come? I would say those are non-sinful imperfections. How are we going to handle that? Well, uh, the first thing I think that we got to do is to be realistic and to keep things in proper balance, you know. Uh, concerning the preaching, understand that the preacher is just like anybody else. Sometimes he has a good day and sometimes he has a bad. Or the song leader, you could say the same thing. And, and some of the songs that you may not like are maybe some of the favorites of somebody else. Uh, and perhaps if you thought about it carefully, that member that you thought slighted you didn't really slight. You didn't even think that you were uh, uh, within earshot or, or had any interest in the matter that was being discussed or whatever. And when it comes to the judgments, you know, although I have an opinion, it may be that the other guy's opinion is better than mine in this particular thing that we're talking about. I'm just suggesting to you that in all of that sort of thing, we need to keep things in perspective and and try to keep a balanced approach to that. Certainly, when those kind of things come up, I think we've got to avoid just kind of throwing our hands up and leaving the congregation. Unfortunately, Christians do that, don't they? Sometimes they threaten and sometimes they actually leave in search of something that they think is better. And so they might leave one local congregation to go and find one that they believe is to, is better. And maybe initially they might find one that suits them better for a while until, of course, the imperfections of that group begin to manifest themselves and off they go again in search of yet a different one. I suspect that all of us in our time have known uh, what might be described as church hoppers. They just go from one to another to another, and they never seem quite satisfied. They can't get happy. And I would argue that is not what we ought to do. Um, would you do that with your family, by the way? You know, is your family perfect? Well, no, we don't have any perfect family. Are you just going to abandon your family then and go in search of a different family because this family that you got... We wouldn't do that with our physical families, would we? And I think that that's a wrong approach to use about our spiritual family. And we are our spiritual family. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul said, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. That expression, the household of God, we could just as well say the family God. This is family. And just like you wouldn't abandon your physical family and go off in search of a different one just because... There's something about your family that's not exactly like you like it. I don't think we should do that with our spiritual family either. I I want to argue for a sense of loyalty to the local congregation. I believe that we ought to have a a, a deep sense of loyalty to our family in the local congregation. We're not perfect, but we're trying to do better. And you can help make it better. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But there needs to be a sense of loyalty. This is family. Don't just throw up your hands and leave. This is an imperfect church. But don't just imagine that you might go and find one that's perfect because they're not out there. Having said that, I think we would add, don't ignore areas where improvement is needed. There are some people who do that, you know. Just ignore it. Uh, Don't deal with it. Uh, Don't even pay attention to it. Stories told about a woman who was very troubled by the curtains uh, in the auditorium of a local church. They were dirty and stained, and she said to some other member that sure wished that something could be done about the curtains, and the other member said, I just don't look at them. Well, well, not looking at them doesn't make it better, right? Denial doesn't solve problems. 
And so in areas where we can make improvement, we shouldn't ignore uh, that. We ought to strive for that improvement. In James chapter 1, verse 22, James said, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Do you get, do you get the sort of word picture that James is painting there? A guy looks in the mirror and he sees the imperfections and maybe he's got dirt on his face or his hair's not combed. He looks at the mirror and then he just turns and walks away without making the correction. Well, what's the value of that? And uh, while that's true of us as individuals, I think we ought to also consider that as congregations. When we see areas of imperfection that can be improved and we identify them, why would we just ignore them and not do anything? And so uh, I think that we ought to pay attention to those areas. And if we can do better, we ought to do better and not just leave it alone. And so, as individuals, what should we do? Uh, I think each of us can exercise ourselves to find areas where we can help and make things better. Where can you help to make this church a better church. That's the way we ought to view it. Uh, certainly don't ignore it. Don't just throw up your hands and leave. Find, when you see areas that need improvement and you can help in that improvement, make it so. One of the criticisms that is almost always voiced about congregations, I don't care which one or where, you talk about very churches, there'll be someone who says, I, I just think that church is unfriendly. You know, That's an unfriendly congregation. I think I have heard that about every congregation that I've ever been a member of at one time or another. Now, what's really peculiar about that is I don't think I've ever been a member of an unfriendly church. Every church I've been a member of, I've viewed as friendly. But some folks will see any situation as unfriendly. So let's say that that's the problem here. Now, what could we do about it? An unfriendly church. Well, we could just deny that it is so, rather than help, right? Or we could up and leave and go someplace else, but that doesn't solve anything either. Or what we could do is we could start inviting people into our own homes. Now, we could do our part to help make it a friendly church. Right? That's what we need to do. We need to find areas where we can help and make things better. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 was describing the church as a body. And, and, and notice, you know this analogy that he used here. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. The body is not one member, but many. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. You are a member of a body. And you have a capacity to serve the body to help make it all that it can be. And I believe that's really the way that we need to approach it. Find the areas where something needs improved, and you step up to help make that improvement. It simply doesn't do any good to sit back and gripe and complain. Uh, could we say it this way? The job of griper and complainer has already been filled. We don't need any more. Uh, that, that job's already been taken. What we need is someone who will make it better, all right? And so be a part of that improvement. Find areas where you can help make things better. Certainly, be patient with your brethren. 
Uh, are you perfect? I don't think we, I don't think there's anybody here so bold to say, I've got it made. I'm perfect. So since you're not perfect, then understand others are not either and be patient with the imperfections that you see in your brother. In a very important command to us in Ephesians chapter 4 beginning verse 31, Paul said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know, you've been forgiven of a lot. Have a, have a, a merciful and gracious attitude toward your brethren as well. Be patient with your brethren. And then, let me suggest that you could serve as a motivator to others. Can we be better? Can we do better? Yes, of course. And you could be the spark plug to help make that happen. Uh, see what you can do to start others into action in making the improvements that will help the church be better in all areas. Uh, organize a Bible study uh, in your own home. Invite others to participate. Show enthusiasm and excitement about the work that is to be done. Be a, a, a motivator for others. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Remember, we said... That church at Thessalonica was apparently a pretty good church. And he said they were already doing this, but he exhorted them to do more of this. Encourage one another and build up one another. We need that, don't we? But unfortunately, and you have known and I have known of certain Christians who are always just negative about everything. They seem like they feel no compulsion to try and help and encourage others. In fact, by their words and actions, they bring people down. Let's not be that way. See if you can serve as a motivation for others to help change and improve and correct areas where the church needs to be better. And then finally, let me suggest to you what we really need to do is keep our eye on what is the main thing. I'm afraid what happens far too often is that Christians get sidetracked concerning the carpet and the pews and the color of the walls and the songbooks and who knows what else when really the main thing is going to heaven. you know. And so what we see is churches that have trouble and fighting and bickering. How often have we heard of churches who ended up, where the church ended up splitting? And someone said, well, what did that church split about? Oh, it wasn't anything doctrinal, they say. It was just personalities. I'm going to tell you, whenever you hear that description, I don't know how many different times in my life I've heard that description, what you might as well just say is people were sinning. There was a lot of sinning going on. They said it wasn't doctrinal. And so why did they split? They split because they wouldn't yield to one another and they wouldn't work together as Christians ought to work together. And they allowed... Usually when you hear of those big kind of church issues, when someone finally boils it down for you and tells you what was really going on, it sounds so trivial and insignificant. And matters that weren't even important, certainly not doctrinal or moral. We said we can't ignore those kind of things. But, but brethren will fight and feud over the most insignificant things. Let's not be that way. Let's keep our eye on the goal of heaven. I'll take you back one more time to that text that we started out with where Paul acknowledged that he was not yet perfect and he had not yet attained. But remember at the end of that familiar text, he said, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we've got to do. You know, Don't allow these things to distract us, things that are not all that important. 
Yes, we want the church to be better. We want to improve and be the best that we can be in all areas. But don't allow things to distract us from the ultimate goal that we ought to have, and that is going to heaven when this life is over. I'm afraid some brethren might end up being lost eternally because they let church issues that shouldn't have existed drive them away and keep them from being what God wanted them to be. The church is imperfect. All churches are imperfect. This church is imperfect. But we have a perfect head in Jesus. And we ought to be thankful that He allows imperfect people like us to be a part of His family. That's a good thing. And so, what are we going to do? Well, we need to strive for, to improve. But we can be happy. We, we understand the church is not perfect, but we can find happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction even in an imperfect church, while we keep striving to make it better with all of the energy that we have. Thanks for your good attention to what we've said tonight. And we hope that we'll all be encouraged to work harder together in the local congregation uh, to bring glory and praise to our Father who's in heaven. As we bring the lesson to a close, we're going to sing a song of invitation. We'll be encouraging everybody to think about where you stand with God. If you haven't obeyed the gospel yet, you certainly need to give strong consideration to that. If you understand the gospel plan of salvation and you're ready to obey it, we're ready to assist you tonight. If you're a Christian already but you've fallen away, we beg you come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.